For those of you who might be new to this space, Just Conversations is a podcast that's positioned at the nexus of faith and all matters pertaining to race, justice, and Catholic education. We highlight historical and current happenings in the realm of diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti-racism while focusing on solutions, systems change, and the amplification of voices working to create more a more just and egalitarian society for all. Each episode, we engage in authentic yet provocative dialogue seasoned with critical perspectives, scholarship, and of course, our life experiences. We also conduct interviews and moderate panel discussions featuring campus and community leaders. We interrogate issues related to mission and identity and answer live questions from listeners. Ultimately, we aim to increase levels of awareness while normalizing conversations on all forms of oppression and marginalization. And we subscribe to the notion that there's room at the table for everybody in the movement. So no matter how much you know or don't know, we invite you to engage with us. Because after all, it's just conversations. conversations. What's up, brother? What's going on? What's up, my man? How you doing, man? I'm, it's been a it's been a minute, and, and glad to be back in this space. Yes, sir. Lots going on. Lots, lots going happen. On. Yes, sir. Um, you know, we saw the uh, the the finishing of the trial, um, and the justice um, for the Aubrey family um, down in in Georgia. We also saw the other side of the coin with uh, with the verdict, with the Rittenhouse verdict in uh, in Minnesota. Uh, so as uh, as we keep saying, um, there's going to be always something to talk about because it's just conversations. Uh, but it's good to be back in this space. I'm always uh, excited uh, to be able to kind of like chop all this up with you. Always, brother. Always good to see you. Know that you're doing well. Always lots to talk about. Um, we recognize that sometimes uh, that's a that's a benefit, and sometimes you know it's it's, it's these are tough situations we're talking about. But it's good to do that. Uh, within the brothership and uh, present it to the people. So uh, nobody I'd rather be talking about this uh, this topic and these related topics with. So should we get started? What do you think? Yes, sir. Let's get to All it. All right, let's do it. So uh, Jamal, you, you know, we've been talking about anti-racism and in particular the context, right? Understanding anti-racism is critical. But understanding anti-racism within what we know and we call the post-George Floyd era is what we're really trying to get across to our listeners. Um, We've highlighted the idea in previous episodes that the murder of George Floyd was a particular moment, a substantive moment, but also a moment that spawned a movement, right? So it's not like George Floyd was murdered and there were protests and you know, people walking around the streets with signs and not over, right? That's not what happened. Exact, actually, the opposite happened, right? So we want to make sure that people understand, um, you know, this context. So in our last episode, we were uh, obviously live and direct for the ISN's virtual teaching, which was cool. We discussed anti-racism in action and dropped that. But today, it's time to get back. It's time to bring it back get back to breaking down the basic tenets of what's happening in this extremely different context, this post George Floyd era. So today I'm on fire, bro. I'm excited. I'm ready to roll because we get to focus today on a topic that should be, we really shouldn't have to talk about this, but, but we're going to talk about it. It should be something that's really easy for people to do, but I've often found in my life and in my career in this work that it's one of the more difficult things for people to do. 
Um, and that is listening, right? Listening, Ab- something as basic as listening. Absolutely. Right. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, I'll go back to, I'm sure, um, considering our experiences growing up, we've talked a lot about our households, right? Moms mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. would always tell you, uh, I'm sure young Nathan, that's why you got two ears and one mouth. Absolutely. Uh, cause she wanted you to participate in life in that type of uh, 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 ratio. So right. um, I, I'm down. I'm, I, I know this is like a basic tenet of us uh, doing the kind of work that we want to get done. Um, and I, I bring up, you know, get back to what you said. Obviously, the murder of George Floyd was painful. Ahmaud Arbery, uh, Breonna Taylor, all these these really painful moments. And I hate to say this, there's a litany more that I mm-hmm. could go on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's so difficult, um, you know, from our lived experiences to watch unarmed, uh, black folks uh, be dehumanized in broad daylight, uh, be it at the hands of police or vigilante citizens. Um, and so, and, and a lot, right, we, we, we're doing this. We, we watched um, our world really mobilize and get involved from protests and marches and, and websites and Instagram posts. And people were crying around the world um, that uh, not only that black lives mattered, but that, that, um, that justice that word that we really wanted to center justice in a way um, that made people feel whole um, and made people feel like they could authentically be themselves. And uh, particularly folks that have a history of being marginalized or oppressed. And so we, we saw some movement. We saw right. local governments start to listen and, and, and begin to bring down uh, Confederate monuments that have been erected well past um, the end of the Civil War uh, for nefarious reasons to say the least, we saw business owners and CEOs uh, begin to stop thinking so much about the bottom line and really start thinking and talking about uh, building spaces for their employees, putting statements up on their websites. Right. And even we saw money starting to be donated in ways to help um, black and brown communities and people uh, um, find a better way of life. And in the athletic space, we saw leagues and coaches and GMs and players unite in ways from messaging uh, again, to monies, uh, to community involvement, uh, to listen to their fans, to listen to the communities and get involved. And I'd say probably lastly, right, um, um, as it relates to this podcast, we saw Catholic institutions, um, be it Georgetown and their work trying to reconcile their historical um, um, connection to the um, American slave institution um, and its reparations there to um, the U.S. Catholic bishops and some of their statements around race, uh, to many a different uh, venues and gatherings, be it in, in, in church um, or in our schools, trying to have very real conversations about spaces and places that have been left and put in the dark, right, and starting to bring those things to light. And so um, this has really spawned, I mean, at some level, our podcast and, again, a lot of conversations around the world. And what me and you always talk about, and particularly as I continue to do my own personal education right none of these claims none of these claims are brought to space that yeah that black folks find themselves or people of color find themselves none of this stuff is new and so um listening really i think is a way for us to begin um to reconcile with those truths right i mean you know i just i I would say and i'm not sure how you feel about this brother i'm certainly interested in, in hearing your thoughts and feelings on it but for me um it's almost like, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we are pushing things forward now. Uh, we were saying you laid out some great examples about, you know, it's happening in the business realm, in the sports realm, 
um, with respect to Confederate monuments. Um, but it almost feels like a slap in the face that it took a public execution of a black man in broad daylight in Minneapolis uh, for people to begin to listen to claims that have been uh, articulated for literally for centuries, literally. Uh, and so, um, you know, the idea of, of listening is something that we need to highlight. Uh, it's something that everyone can do. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about our conversation today and sharing this with the people uh, and certainly giving people an opportunity to send us their feedback. Uh, but we need to talk about listening. We need to talk about that. Yeah, that's I I, I so uh, so much appreciate what you had to say about finally listening. May, maybe to kind of like take a little bit of a pivot, maybe and finally watching. Right? It took it took the advent of the camera phone and the idea that uh, that this justice was being played out in a way that was irrefutable because um, right. we could watch it, we could viscerally see it. Um, that really spawned the idea that our words finally had gravitas. So we find ourselves in this new space where people are finally listening. Um, our hope around doing this work is that we don't need another uh, monumental uh, execution, as you said, like George Floyd, uh, to keep folks' attention, to keep them aware, and to keep them engaged in this work um, so that um, that we could create environments that are just more ju- uh, 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 just a lot more just, excuse my language, and equitable uh, so that we can be more proactive than reactive and particularly how this can permeate in our Catholic churches and our Catholic institutions of higher learning or secondary learning. So we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about listening, why it's important, why people don't do it, and how we can improve. Stay tuned. Are you someone who studies, teaches, or practices Catholic social tradition? Education for Justice is a global digital subscription membership service offering members access to a growing library of thousands of text-based and multimedia resources, a monthly e-newsletter, and other benefits to help you approach the world's headlines and the justice issues of our time through the lens of Catholic social teaching. Learn more at educationforjustice.org. Again, that's educationforjustice.org. Welcome back. Today we're talking about the importance of listening. I Nate, I know you've talked about listening to some of your presentations and your trainings on anti-racism. So I want to center three questions that we'll kind of, to kind of keep um, working our way through over the course of the rest of this podcast today mm-hmm. and this, or this conversation. And that's question mm-hmm. one is, why do you see listening as being so important? Mm-hmm. Why do you think people have such difficulty listening? And how can we become better listeners? Listeners, right? It seems yeah. like it would be the easiest thing that we can do. However, um, I think both of us can attest in our work that this is a space right. that we often um, run into roadblocks. So why don't right. you give us uh, your thoughts, particularly on that first question, like why yeah. is listening so important? Yeah, happy to do so. Um, so uh, in in the trainings I've done and we've done together, uh, brother, I think, uh, well, a couple of years ago now at the, at the teach-in, um, we were virtual that year. I think it was the first year we were virtual. And just in, you know, when I connect with colleagues or I'm working with clients uh, on anti-racism, I talk about the importance of listening. Um, and, and it all started because I started to get the question from people, um, you, know, wh- you know, what's the quick fix? How do we improve society quickly? How, you know, how do we improve the environment with respect to um, uh, justice and equity 
you know, without it taking 30, 40, 50 years. And I'm always quick. And Jamal, we talked about this, letting people know there is no quick fix where you got to put in the work. You know, it took a long time for society to evolve to where it is uh, now. It's going to take some time to um, to change things. Right. This, that's why this work is a marathon and not a sprint. Um, but the one thing we can do that's within, you know, all of our control, right, as individuals is to be better listeners. Right. And, and so listening is important because, uh, you know, with respect to, um, um, you know, this podcast in particular, uh, listening is a primary way that we, de- that we demonstrate that we are persons for and with others. Right. I can't I can't be a person for anyone else or, uh, you know, be an advocate or an ally or an accomplice or whatever term we want to use. If I'm not willing to listen first to what your situation is and figure out how I can demonstrate, uh, develop and demonstrate some type of empathy. Right. So one thing I think that's really interesting is that we are familiar with some of our uh, our vernacular that we have in the church, uh, whether it's cura personalis, whether it's the magis, whether it's, uh, you know, for the for the greater glory of God. And we can use these terms. We have to be careful that we are actually figuring out how to demonstrate them to intangible ways. So I think listening, in my opinion, is the first way that we demonstrate that we are, in fact, persons formed with others. Uh, I think secondarily, listening is a way for us to develop empathy. Right. So there's a difference, Jamal, in between, you know, between listening and hearing or listening and developing your rebuttal while someone else is speaking. Right. If we're truly listening uh, we can begin to imagine ourselves in the same situation that the speaker is sharing. So while someone's speaking, if we're listening, we should be we should be in our minds wondering, you know, what would I do in that situation? How might I have been affected? How might my family have been impacted? That alone should grasp our attention, right? So so developing empathy. Um, I also think um, when we listen. It's the best possible way to become more knowledgeable about experiences beyond our own, right? So Jamal, I know you've had this experience. I know I've had it. When you share with someone an experience and they immediately discount it because it's not the experience they've had, right? And that can be in many ways demeaning. It can be disheartening. You can kind of feel like, well, do I belong here? Like, you know, since you're discounting what I've experienced, um, I guess I should just go ahead and walk away because I'm not welcome, right? But but, you know, we, we know that, um, for example, communities are not monolithic, right? I can't speak about the experiences, specific experience of the Latinx community or the LGBT community or other oppressed um, uh, communities, right? But I can take the time to learn, right? How do I learn? I can listen first. So listening provides us the opportunity to become more knowledgeable about experiences beyond our own so that we don't discount them. Uh, instead, we affirm them, we validate people's experiences, and at the same time, we become more knowledgeable about uh, life, life experiences. And, um, you know, we always talk about, you know, being anti-racist is about being better and doing better. And I strongly believe that listening is our guide uh, down that path. I love it. I so so the final point on listening and why it's so important is that I, I think it leads us to a conversation that's rooted ultimately in accountability. So Jamal, you, you and I have talked a lot about uh, when we do this work, uh, encountering individuals who, for example, would uh, view the, the, the video of George Floyd being murdered. And their response was, 
Uh, I can't believe this happened. I, I just, I'm shocked. I'm appalled. Uh, this is, this is crazy. And you and I are standing there kind of listening to it going, no, it's not that crazy. Actually, we suspect that these kind of things happen all the time. It just so happens we got this one on, on, on video, right? Um, and, and so, you know, clearly that individual is either not sort of following the news or has been in spaces where people are talking about this and may not have been listening, right? Um, but I think the tough part about this is people can't have it both ways, right? When people are speaking, you need to be an attentive listener, right? And then if, But if you're not going to listen, then you can't, on the backside, when something uh, tragic happens and makes uh, national, if not global news, you can't complain and say, oh, well, I, you know, I didn't know. Uh, I, I, I can't believe this happened. When people have been saying this happens all the time, you just opted not to listen. So uh, ultimately, we're talking about accountability. When people share things, need to listen so that uh, when you know, moments happen, um, and, and oftentimes, obviously, we're talking about uh, the murder of George Floyd, which is a tragic moment, very tragic moment, um, you, you're not stuck in, I can't believe this mode. You're in more, okay, let me, let, uh, let me step into allyship or accomplishment mode. Let me, let me, let me be, um, uh, let me provide some assistance to those who are hurting right now. So that's the last thing I'll say about, about the importance of listening. Uh, I'll hand it back to you, brother. I love it. I love it. I love that you brought up this idea of men and men with and for, excuse me, people with and for others. Um, let me make sure I'm inclusive, right? It really makes me think about, I think about that Ignatian ideology and I'm always talking about how do we operationalize it, especially in our schools, but I was saying right. all of our Catholic institutions and I'm, I'm thought about the metaphor um, that I think really illuminates what it really means to be inclusive. And that's this idea that do our institutions offer the people, the constituencies in those three things, the mirror, the window and the sliding glass. The mirror really is that opportunity for you and I to see ourselves in the institution. Is it other people um, that we identify with? Are they there? Are they thriving? Are they are they feeling whole and authentic? Are they able to be their best selves in those spaces? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, two, the window is um, how can I see others, right? The idea of experiencing the other, the other lived experiences, the other ways that people look at the world, their cultures, um, their their worldviews in a way that frames it. And I've got to do that via listening, right? So that I can mm -hmm. understand other folks' con uh, context. And then I think the, the most elevated space would be is that our institutions offer that sliding door. Is there an opportunity now for me to really walk in empathy and compassion, to really experience, to put oneself in another person's lived experience such that it's really um, sticky, right? Or, or uh, as, as, as uh, you know, my dad would say, put some meat on your bones, right? Sticks to your ribs, <laughs> right? Um, so, because that experience allows us, um, you know, via listening through our experiences, uh, particularly in the window in the sliding glass wall, that gives us a real opportunity um, to be uh, people with and for other people. So, um, I really appreciate you opening up this space for us. Um, I'm going to take one more break right now. When we get back, we're going to talk about why listening is so difficult. We at the Ignatian Solidarity Network know that young leaders are the future of faith and justice work in our church and society. ISN is excited to announce three opportunities for high school students and faculty to build their leadership skills during the 2022 Arupe Leaders Summits. This February and March, join us in California, Maryland, or Ohio. 
This year's summits invite high school students, along with faculty and staff attendees, to deepen their understanding of a faith that does justice. Connect with students and colleagues across the nation through discussion groups, highly interactive sessions, and games. And become empowered to affect positive social change in their local and global communities. Register your delegation today at igsol.net forward slash arupe. That's I-G-S-O-L dot net forward slash arupe. All right, welcome back. Today we're talking about the importance of listening. And in the last segment, we highlighted some reasons why listening is so important and so necessary in our society. Um, we would think it's, it's again, the easiest thing to do since we're in control of it. But again, it's, it's often something uh, people fail to do. Uh, Jamal, I want to hear, I want to uh, turn it over to you and I want to hear your perspectives in particular on, on why you think listening is so difficult for people. Thanks, Nate. Um, I really think it boils down to really kind of two things that really why uh, we oftentimes struggle with the listening part. Um, the first is, is, is oftentimes I think our human nature and particularly for those of us that find ourselves in academic spaces in which we're being asked to be intelligent and witty and responsive that we oftentimes are in a listening to respond mode. So that I'm going to hang on one or two key phrases. I'm going to kind of forget the rest of the context and I'm ready to come back at you. In fact, I'd even argue that is, I've said this to you a number of times, right? If you look at television programming from our 24 hour news channels and even our sports channels, um, you know, what's become entertainment is the argument, right? The gotcha moment, the hot take. Um, and oftentimes those conversations aren't very nuanced there. You said X and I'm going to tell you why X is wrong. Cause I've got this litany of responses. And, and again, um, those don't make for great relationships, right? Those, those heated yelling type of arguments. I think the second part, which is probably particularly when we get into this kind of work, this anti-racism work is that oftentimes people find alternative viewpoints, very caustic and painful. Right. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just finishing up um, Clint Smith's um, amazing book and work called How the Word Was Passed. And he, in the middle of the book, he asked this question that had just been sitting in my consciousness. And he says, um, I think he's talking about visiting um, Angola prison down in Louisiana. And he says, how do you tell a story that's been told the wrong way for so long? And I think in this work, we really find ourselves right. Like, um, um, you know, historic, the historical record, particularly around why marginalized and oppressed people find themselves in their, in their, um, in the different places and spaces they are in 2021 are direct results, cause and effect of a long-standing policies, procedures, systems, systems, and structures that have created and replicated outcomes that have lasted a long time. And what's really hard, I think, oftentimes when we get into these spaces is uh, kind of like this idea, I make joke of it, but the idea of our our last, um, in our last presidency, uh, we became kind of regular parlance, this idea of alternative facts. No, no there, there is a truth um, and reconciliation of a real historical record. Um, when we, people, start to talk about their encounters with police and, and you hear retorts like, you just need to comply, or mm -hmm. when we hear people say, um, you know, uh, folks of color find themselves having a hard time climbing the proverbial corporate ladder uh, because they oftentimes don't have connections or advocates to help them navigate those space. And people said, no, you just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps 
all those mm-hmm. type of things, you know, fall under that idea and that and that space of like microaggressions. Um, they mm-hmm. make those spaces really uncomfortable. Um, and um, and all I would suggest is that um, really, um, and particularly as it relates to number two, it's this idea we got to get back to uh, the humanity, right? That someone's lived experience is their truth. Um, right. It's it's got to be listened to in a way that offers empathy and compassion. You, there are things to disagree on. I think there's things to disagree on from an opinion standpoint, but a, a right. set of facts or a set of facts um, and truth is truth. And I think that's um, where we have to really try to get folks to concentrate on, particularly um, again, in our, in our, in our communities of faith. Um, you know, I, I laugh at the idea and, I, and I'll pass it to you in a second. It's like, you know, we really think about um, the gospel of Jesus and, and whom he was finding himself in as we listen to and learn the different parables in the Bibles. He was 100% in deep kinship and mutuality uh, with, with those that are often considered the outcasts and the marginalized Absolutely. in his time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead, bro. Absolutely. I was going to reiterate what you were saying. Um, I mean, I, I've, uh, it's funny. I was in a meeting the other day and people were talking about living uh, – uh, Christ-like in ways that are Christ-like, and I thought, oh, okay, we're getting ready to talk about anti-racism. <laughs> and he said, he said, no, like, I, no, we need to talk about this and that. I thought, no, Jesus was was with the lepers. Jesus was inviting tax was was eating dinner with tax collectors. Jesus Jesus was was doing everything according to, um, you know, the, those in power in, in that time in the opposite direction. Right. So in many ways, I've always I was raised to believe, uh, you know, by a mother who was very Catholic that Jesus was 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 one of the early activists. Amen. (laughs) Amen. So, you know, um, but no, but I I think you're spot on, brother, when you talk about, you know, uh, your 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 quote from the Clint Smith book about story being told, you know, the story being told the wrong way for so long, right? The, the power is in who gets to tell the story, right? And when, historically, when um, marginalized and oppressed uh, people try to tell their story, uh, it's either drowned out or, more recently, it, it get you know, it gets caught up in, you know, uh, there's this critical race theory and these other, you know, we're, we're misusing terms and we're uh, trying to scare people because we want them to believe their kids are being taught that, you know, all white people are bad, and that's not what critical race theory is, nor is critical race theory taught in elementary schools or any other school other than law school. So um, I think that's one of the challenges, right? If, if uh, when has it ever been a bad thing for people to learn history? I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was raised by two teachers. I mean, that was the last thing. That's all we did in my house was learn history. I mean, we couldn't get away from it. It was school at school and school at home after you got home from school. I mean, it's like, you know, can we do something other than learn history in here? But um, I think I think you're dead on with with your points about uh, the truth, and I think um, you know it's 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 an interesting way to look at uh, why people don't want to listen. I, I think, and we're going to get into this a little bit in the next segment. I think there's a lot of fear involved because what if what I've believed my whole life about a group of people or about a certain t- uh, time in history or about who I think I am is inaccurate. Word, man. That, that, could, that could be scary. That could be scary for people, right? No doubt about that it. That could be scary. 
And now so, you're looking at people that you've always admired, loved, looked up to, right. have cared for you, and you're and right. you're asking questions of like, why didn't I learn this? Or exactly, why didn't you tell exactly. me this or this this truth or what have you? Exactly. And that's um, you know, uh, kind of you know, it's funny you said that about your folks, right? And we always talk about. Uh, the first teachers in our lives. Those are our moms and our dads. And similarly, mm-hmm. I grew up, my folks weren't necessarily educators, but they were down about me being educated. And uh, I had readings that were beyond what were being assigned by my teachers. And and, and they wanted me to really understand uh, the experience of my forefathers. Um, and so, um, yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing um, yeah. when we think about um, the idea that new information um, how it could be revelatory, but how that could be painful. Again, if you've got lessons or you've been taught to think X and now you are, um, you know, something is, is pushing against that, particularly from a morally conscious standpoint, right? It's one thing to believe right. that the sky is blue and find out that it's orange. It's another thing to think about how I live my life and interact with other human beings. So why don't we take right. one more quick break and get to our final segment Um Nate, and which we'll try and answer our last question, and that is, how do we become better listeners? The Ignatian Family Teach-In for Justice, the largest annual social justice gathering in the United States, brings together thousands of advocates in the Jesuit Ignatian tradition each fall to learn, pray, network, and advocate for justice in Washington, D.C. Save the date for the 2022 gathering, October 22nd through 24th, and keep an eye out for details coming at ignatiansolidarity.net slash IFTJ. Again, that's ignatiansolidarity.net slash IFTJ. Welcome back. Before we get talking about the remainder of our podcast, how we become better listeners, I want to let you know that you can send us your thoughts and questions to justconversations at ignatiansolidarity.net. Again, that email, if you want to talk to me and Nate, send us an email at justconversations at ignatiansolidarity.net. And if I could be so uh, bold, I'd like to put in a little shameless plug and shout out um, myself, Jamal Adams, and my dear friend and brother in education, another one, um, uh, F. Douglas Brown, um, have written an an essay, yes, an essay in an upcoming book. If you're looking to uh, to read more, I think there's something like 24 essays in this book. It's called Teaching Black, The Craft of Teaching on Black Life and Literature. It's edited by nice. two brilliant women out of the University of Pittsburgh Press, Anna Marie La- and Laura and Dre Brown. Drea Brown. Uh, the book drops December 14th. Again, it's called Teaching Black, The Craft of Teaching on Black Life and Literature. My good friend and brother Doug Brown and I wrote a com- uh, uh uh, a chapter, an essay in there, um, expressing our brotherhood and teaching around black right. literature and black history. Uh, we're very proud of our work. Um, and then there's some mm-hmm. other really poignant um, works in the book. You can find this on Amazon, Borja Normal. Again, the book ships December 14th. So definitely be on the lookout and appreciate all support yeah. around that book. Yes. Th- yes. Congratulations. Thank brother, you, man. You and Thank you. That's amazing. Thank you very much, Nate. Amazing. So, Let's get back to what we were talking about, Nate. So um, what do you think? How, how, how can we become better listeners? Man, that is a great question. And, and, before I, and before we dive into that, I just want to pick up real quickly on where we were when we broke from the last segment. You mentioned something that was really important, Jamal. You talked about um, when people 
um, find out something or they have they, they recognize the truth or they have that epiphany uh, that we often talk about where they realize, oh, I, you know, I didn't know that or I'm finding this out for the first time. I wish someone had told me. How come I didn't learn that? And oftentimes there can be, you know, shame and and uh, anger or pain that's associated with that that learning. Uh, you know, if you've ever found yourself in that space and Jamal and I talk about this all the time. Uh, we, you know, I think it's understandable when you learn something and you're kind of like, oh, I should have, man, I should have known, you know, I should have known that, you know, that that's not the fact that you didn't know. Um, you can't help what you didn't know, but you can control what you do going forward, though. So we certainly understand having to sort of pick up the pieces or dust yourself off. But by all means, get back in the game as quickly as possible. Get back in the fight for a more just and equitable society as quickly as possible. We need everybody in this battle. Um, and your voice and your actions uh, matter. So I just wanted to add that uh, to your to your segment, Jamal. I appreciate that. Um, all right, so how do we become better listeners? Great question. First thing I would say is we have to realize that we don't know everything. Surprise, surprise, Jamal. We don't know everything. Surprise, surprise. Um, what do I mean by that? Um, I mentioned I mentioned earlier that I've been in spaces and and I think many of the listeners have probably been in spaces where, uh, you know, you you, you share something, uh, or, or you know, I've actually I actually caught myself doing this a long time ago. Someone was sharing something when I first lo- uh, relocated out to the West Coast, and someone said, "Oh, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, doing this and that and that, and I grew up in the Midwest." I'm thinking, "You grew up doing what? Who does that? That's great." And I said, "Wait." That's not a, that's not a bad thing. I mean, that, that's not bad if someone grew up one way in one part of the country and I grew up a different way. It's different, but it's not bad, and it's not for me to judge that person based on the way they were raised and what they did, right? So sometimes we have to catch ourselves and realize that actually, um, if I pay attention and listen to what this individual is sharing with me, I can learn a lot about the way they were raised, about what their uh, core values might be, about what type of household they were they, they were brought up in. Those things matter as you assess and begin to evaluate friendships and, and your bonds. So, um, so we have to realize we don't know everything and that our experiences aren't the only ones, right? Um, the second thing I would say is, and Jamal, you might've heard this growing up. I mentioned my parents were educators. So this was, uh, you know, you say grace at the table. This was the next thing my parents were, were reciting together is knowledge is power. Right. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is, in fact, power. So uh, how do we apply that to this context? The more I know about people and their backgrounds uh, prepares me to be uh, more knowledgeable and better adjusted to engage with any challenges they might have. Right. If I know somebody and I understand their background and I'm listening to what they've been through and I'm learning and adding that to the to the level of uh, knowledge and insight that I have then when they might be dealing with something, I can be a better advocate. Uh, when they share something with me, I can actually meet them in that space and say, oh, I remember you sharing that with me. Okay, yeah, tell me more about that, right? I can actually engage and be a, a, a better friend, um, a better comrade, a better colleague. Um, so, so knowledge is power, and uh, there's nothing wrong with learning more about people and better understanding uh, who they are. Now, there is a such thing as all of us understanding who we are, that is important, but that's, that's another topic for another podcast episode. Um, (laughs) um, the last thing I would say is I think we have to understand that it is necessary. And more than that, Jamal, it is beneficial 
to sit in our discomfort. It is both necessary and beneficial to sit in our discomfort. What do I mean by that? Um, you know, many times I think people, back to the idea of why don't people listen, uh, they don't want to find themselves in this uncomfortable space where they don't know. Or they don't f- want to find themselves in this uncomfortable space where they're the only ones in the room who don't know. Um, and so I think people in many ways try to avoid or sidestep uh, acquiring knowledge because if I know more, right? Uh, uh, grandma, you say, if you knew better, if people knew better, they do better, right? I'm going to be held accountable if I know more, right? I can't use the excuse anymore of saying, uh, well, hey, I didn't know. Uh, you know, I, I had no idea. Oh, I can't believe that happened, right? So, um, uh, we we can't we can't avoid the space and the discomfort that comes with acquiring new knowledge right so when we learn something and we didn't know and that's what i was alluding to when we started this segment it's okay to sit in that discomfort and realize you know what i, I didn't know that uh i you know I, I didn't know what juneteenth was uh you know uh i didn't know about the tulsa massacre uh, I didn't know about, I mean, I've heard that a lot over the past, uh, you know, six to eight months. Um, and I've shared with people repeatedly, okay, all right, we can't do anything about what you didn't know at this point. But what we can do is focus on what you're going to do with that knowledge, right? And so the longer you sit in that, the longer you can be thinking about what you plan to do. What are you going to do? Now, when you learn something, are you taking that to the people in your circle? Or are you just learning that and, and keeping it to yourself, right? As your mind is decolonized and you're learning more about what we might call the truth or you're expanding your purview with respect to new knowledge about um, uh, people of color and other oppressed and marginalized communities, how do you go about sharing it? Right? That's just something to, to, to think about. But that that's what you're doing in this space. If you feel ashamed, don't just sit in your shame. Sit in that discomfort and plot your next steps. Think about what you want to do with the knowledge that you're acquiring. So I think those are three ways, Jamal, that we can um, help people, that people can become better listeners. Uh, I also like to think that with the last one, it's about what you're sharing and how you're advancing the knowledge, right? We, we, we don't learn things to hold on to them. We learn things to pass that information on. So uh, that's what I would offer in answering that question. And uh, I'll hand it back over to I you. I love what do you it. Think? I love it. Anytime um, I am doing trainings, um, around this work, I always say, um, um, you know, because one, I can't make sure that there's a safe space. I can't make sure that that something that's said today is not going to bother you. Right. So we always talk about brave spaces, but um, I always tell them that one of the goals of the of yeah. the interactions is to what's said here stays here, right? So that we can protect yeah. each other um, and and yeah. make it a brave space. But what's learned here goes out right so what what's said here stays here but what's learned here goes out and the last thing i would say i mean i i don't know that i can add anything that was just so brilliant what you had to say but um i've been really thinking about another kind of book that has been in my brain uh the four agreements by um uh don miguel ruiz um and he and it's really built around this tomic wisdom he says there's four agreements and I really think what, what we talked about today is really kind of crystallizing these agreements. And that's this idea that, one, we as human beings should be impeccable with our word. That, two, we don't take anything personally. Three, we don't make assumptions. And four, we always do our best. 
I think if we keep that in mind, we'll become better listeners, right? I'm, I'm, what I say is what I mean. Um, I'm not going to take things personally. That's going to allow me to stay engaged, as you just said. I'm not going to make assumptions um, because those oftentimes lead to those inaccuracies or those half-truths. Um, and if I engage, as you said, pick myself up in those spaces and places where I feel shame, I've got a chance to keep it rocking and rolling with us. Yes, yes, yes. I agree uh, to everything you just said, brother. A couple of uh, things I want to do. One, want to shout out ISN staff. Appreciate them uh, for this space. Um, Chris Kerr, Kelly Swan, uh, Kim, um, Aaron, the entire team, Brenna. Um, I also want to highlight um, uh, our, our, our man behind the mixing board, uh, man, AJ on the mix. Uh, AJ, we might come up with a new snappy uh, name for you. Uh, add something to the AJ, but uh, thank you, appreciate you, brother, um, and all your hard work. Looking forward to working with you uh, on this journey, and um, just just want to express our gratitude. Again, man, it's so good to be in this space. I'm excited about hopefully it us uh, picking up our regularity of our conversation. I just want to again say thank you to our audience for joining us again for Just Conversations and love to remind you, we love to hear your ideas, thoughts, or even show ideas. Please just shoot us a note at justconversations at ignatiansolidarity.net. One more time, that's justconversations at ignatiansolidarity.net. Make sure you find us on iTunes or Spotify. Share the conversations with others in your work. Um, Invite other listeners to come rock with us. And let's make sure that this place continues to be a space that's full of love, growth, um, and that we continue to be people for and with other folks.